Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. In 3 John, verse 2, the Apostle John is encouraging a disciple named Gaius that he was praying for him to prosper and be in health even as his soul was prospering. The word prosper in this passage refers to being equipped for a journey, and this is the foundation of our series titled The Journey. Understanding this prayer reveals that God wants his people to be fully equipped for their individual journeys that they begin when they receive Christ. We look deeper into this true message of prosperity today as we continue our segment of our series titled The Kingdom Supply with a message titled The Law of the Spirit of Life in Christ. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk to you at the end of the podcast. I am on a journey. Father, in the name of Jesus, today is a day that you may, we will rejoice and be glad in this day, Lord. We come today to gather in your name, and as we have worshiped you, we highly have great expectation, Lord, that the word of God will speak, not just words out of my mouth, but that the Holy Spirit will give us an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Lord, as the Holy Spirit speaks, let it be revelation knowledge in the hearts and minds of everyone here, and as that revelation is received, Lord, grant us wisdom, Lord, to be able to activate the word, apply it to our lives. And Lord, as we activate the word, let us stand in faith, fully assured, knowing that your word will come to pass and manifest just what you said it would do. And I thank you, Lord, that as we see the manifestation of God, we know what you've done for us, Lord, that you would grant us the heart of compassion to sow what we have been taught, what we have seen and heard of you into others that they may grow also. So we thank you, Lord, that by this means we will make disciples of all nations and all people of the world will call on the name of the Lord Jesus. So we give you glory and honor and praise for what you're going to do today by your word in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Open your Bible to the book of praise the Lord. Luke chapter nine. Let's go there. Luke chapter nine. While you're going to Luke, we're going to bring up a couple of passages on the screen, which are foundations for this series that we've been in called The Journey. And we want you to listen close because I want you to take what we heard last week and I want you to build on it. Amen. I want you to build on it. And so what I want to do real quick, we know that our first foundation passage is found in the book of Third uh, John uh, verse 2, which says, Beloved, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. Now, that word right there ought to make you say, I got to get my mind right. Amen. I, beloved, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. In other words, our soul prospers, which means the way we think has to prosper. Because the way we think is going to determine how we live out prosperity in our lives. Amen? Paul said, that's why I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light. I want you to know the hope of your calling. I want you to see clearly. I want you to have a depth of understanding when it comes to these things. Because in order for you to prosper, it's going to have to come out of your soul. Now, unfortunately, in our soul are a lot of things that we've also been taught in the world system. And until your mind gets renewed about what the world taught you about who God is and how God loves you and what God thinks about you, till you can get that stuff weeded out, you can't live in the fullness of what God really desires for you. Amen. If you still believe that God hates you, if you still believe that you were unwanted, come on, 
If you still believe that you, by, because of your height, your weight, your shape, your color, if you still believe that God has a different view of you because of anything of those things, then you won't fully receive when God says, I love you with an everlasting love. You'll struggle to believe God really wants you to prosper if you still have soul issues. Amen. So that's why I'm saying, beloved, I'm praying that you would prosper in all things. Tell your neighbor, say all things. All things. And be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. Amen. All of us go through rocky patches in our physical body and suffering and changes. You go through different things and sometimes you start feeling in yourself, that's just the way it is for me. And we start to accept things, but you got to say, no, I don't accept it. Amen. Amen. That's not God's will for me to dwell in that. So I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to put it where it's supposed to be. I'm not going to let it limit my capacity to do what God says I'm called to do. Amen. Because that's what prosperity does. Then we looked at Matthew 6 and 33. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? And his righteousness. Seek right standing with God and his kingdom. And everything else gets added to you. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, don't ever chase money because money can't be caught. <laughs> Amen. I was reading, I was, I was young in the things of God, and I, and, and I had a prophetic word that I was supposed to read the book of Proverbs every day, one chapter a day, every day. And so I'm going through the book of Proverbs, and I get to one passage, and it says, why would you chase money? Why would you chase that which is not? Because surely money will sprout itself wings and fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Amen. Every time you get close, it flies away. Amen. So stop chasing it because you ain't going to catch it. Amen. You have to command money. All right. That's another story. I'm I'm going to keep on moving here. Seek the kingdom and the kingdom all things are there. This is really important to understand. All things you need are in the kingdom. Amen. Third passage, which we added when we got to kind of area four here, which is Psalm 35 and 27. And Psalm 35, 27 says, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, the Lord be magnified, who what? There we go. Who pleasures in the prosperity of his servant. The new King James says he delights in the prosperity of his servant. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God delights when you prosper. Woo, come on. God delights when you prosper. It said, let them shout for joy. <laughs> Come on. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor his righteous cause. Let them magnify the Lord who takes delight in the prosperity of his servants. Woo. Hallelujah. I should just close my Bible and stop right there. <laughs> 
Amen. I'm going to read. Let's read that one more time. Let's read it together. Look up there. Let's read it together. Let's go. One, two, three. Let them. day long. <laughs> Amen. Mm-mm-mm. Lord have mercy. Y'all in Luke chapter 9? All right. Get ready. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them what? And over and to He called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons. Not some, all demons. (laughs) And to what? Cure diseases. He gave his disciples power over demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. In other words, he sent them out with a purpose. See, Christians without a purpose are helpless. A Christian without a purpose is helpless because your help comes from the Lord and the Lord gives purpose. Amen? So if you're a Christian and you don't know your purpose... You will be helpless because your answers are in your purpose. Because remember, to be equipped for a journey, or beloved, I pray, would you do prosper and be in health? Remember, prosper meant to be equipped for a journey. A journey has a purpose, a destination. If you go on a journey with no intention of where you're going, then you're just going to go. If you go Somewhere with a purpose, with an intention, if you go in a direction, you set out on a journey and there is a destination that you know you're going to, then you know you are moving purposefully. See, I know my eventual destination is heaven, so I'm living this life on my way to heaven. But I'm enjoying the journey while I'm on the way. I'm not going to suffer for no cause in this world when I don't know where I'm going. Amen? You have to have a vision of where you're going. And when you have a vision, then you have endurance because then now you have a destination in mind. Amen? When you have a destination, then you press through. When you have a destination, you fight the good fight. When you have a destination, you are willing to do what others will not do because you know where you're going and you know how to get there. We know that that's our eventual destination, but God says, I don't just have a destination for you in heaven. I have plans for you in the earth. You don't just have a destination that you're going to get to one of these days and you just, just, you're just going to Sunday drive there. No, you have a purpose on this planet, in this earth, right here, and you need to continue to walk on your journey with purpose, knowing that you're going somewhere. Knowing that you're going somewhere. Every day you get up, you, you never get up with nothing to do. 
You always get up with something to do. Every day you get up, you got something to do. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So he called the 12 and he empowered them for the purpose that he set for them. Amen. I'm not going to read it, but he tells them, don't take anything with you. Because your journey already has what you need on it. (laughs) He said, don't pack an extra jacket. Don't take all that stuff. No, you don't need all that stuff. Because the journey I'm sending you on, the journey's going to provide. Woo, come on. (laughs) The journey you're on is going to provide your needs. (laughs) Woo, I'm excited today. (laughs) Oh, man. Go to verse 10. Let's, Let's get into this. I want you to get what I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, and the apostles, when they had returned. This is real important here. We're talking about kingdom supply, and I want you to listen very close. Now, when he sent them out, he told them, don't take stuff with you, because I'm going to provide for you on the road. You're going with a purpose. You have a reason why you're going. You're going to preach the good news. You're going to take the gospel to all these places. You're going to go and you're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. When they had returned, told him all that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to a city called Bethsaida. They came back and gave him reports. Lord, another account says, Lord, the demons trembled in our names. Wherever we went, we cast them out. They moved when we said move. People were healed. They came back with testimonies about what God had done. About how everything was subject to them. He said, don't get excited. Get excited that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, get excited about the fact God knows you and God was with you on your journey. Woo, come on. Tell your neighbor, say, I got victory today. Verse 11, but when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go to the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. In other words, the place we are in right now is devoid of resources. Come on, I want y'all to listen to me. The place where we are right here, this place we're standing in, Lord, it doesn't have the resources for these people. There's no jobs for these people. Come on now, There's there's no shelter for these people. There's no food for these people in this place where we are. Oh man, come on, come on. Listen, they had been out, did things in his name, brought him back testimonies about what he did. But when it came to supply, they didn't see God the same. (laughs) See, wherever they went, wherever they went, they said, we cast out devils. We healed the sick. 
But right here is a desert. And we need to send all these people away. We need to send all them away so they can do for themselves. <laughs> Come on, man. Flip over to chapter 10. Keep your finger where you are, but then flip over to chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 says, verse 1 says, after these things. In other words, something happened in chapter 9 that made him say, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two before his face to every place he wanted to go. So what he did for the 12, he replicated for more. Because I don't want you reading, reading what we're getting ready in chapter 9, and I don't want you getting all holy and said, that was the 12 apostles, that wasn't me. Because <laughs> in chapter 10, he got 70 more and said, I'm going to do for y'all the same thing I did for them. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you what you need. And you're going to walk in some new life. Amen. Because it ain't about you, it's about the kingdom. <laughs> Read verse 12 again. Then the day wore away. The 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge there and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. Verse 13. But he said to them, He said to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> I want you to understand something. Where God gives purpose, God gives provision. Wherever God sets a purpose on someone or something, he also makes provision for that purpose. And in that purpose, not only will it take care of those you're sent to take care of, it will take care of you. Amen. Amen. If God gives you a purpose, he will fulfill his purpose. And one of the means that he's going to fulfill, he's going to fulfill it with giving you the resources you need. And he's going to fulfill it with giving the power and authority that's required. Amen. You will have supernatural power and authority to do what God's called you to do. And you will have the resources available to you, but you may have to call those resources down. Listen, if I needed a bus right now, if I said, we're all getting on a bus to go somewhere, we're going to get everybody in the room in buses and we're going to go somewhere. I have someone who I can make a phone call to today and he will say, Derry, absolutely, the buses will be in front of your building this afternoon. I can make one phone call and that will happen. Why? Because I know somebody who has what I need. <laughs> Come on. I know a man who has what I need. And if I make a phone call, he will provide what I need. <laughs> come on Tracy come on he's got it already he's got a yard full of them I can't use all his buses he got 
But I can make a phone call and say, hey, brother, I need some buses. And he will say, you got it. (laughs) Amen. Come on now. Come on. Verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Go back to verse 13. I want, let's read all the rest of that. Verse 13 says, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they push back. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. In other words, they took an inventory of what they had and they said, all we have is what's in our pockets. And matter of fact, we took this from a little boy. <laughs> we found a little boy with some fish and bread. We took his, we took his stuff. How y'all going to just take food from the little boy? Little boy been out here working like a dog fishing. He, little, a little boy that caught this fish and you're going to take his fish and his bread. So y'all were planning to eat yourselves with the boys' food, (laughs) but all these people got to go somewhere. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Mm. Verse 14 again. For there were about 5,000 men. We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there are about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Very important principle here. God does not bless chaos. God does not bless chaos. If you have chaos, God is not free to move in his full capacity. He has to hit and miss because some believe and some don't believe. And some are connected and some are not connected. But God said, he said, first thing he said, he said, organize the people. Put them in groups of 50. Put them in groups. Remember the word, put them in groups. Amen. Make them sit down. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, unless those five fish were 800-pound catfish, (laughs) and if those couple of loaves, (laughs) yeah, well, I'm getting there. (laughs) Unless them couple of loaves were specialty loaves made at Mother's Bakery, then I don't know how Five fish and two loaves can feed that many people. 
But it says that he took it. He lifted it up to heaven. He blessed it and then broke it. (laughs) See, sometimes we're trying to preserve things and keep them whole. God says sometimes you got to break stuff. He blessed it. What does it mean to bless it? He spoke over it. Amen. He gave thanks for it. Gave thanks to God for it. Then he spoke to it. Then he broke it. And then he stepped out to distribute. Amen. See, what happened here is what we call kingdom supply. Kingdom supply is when God takes what you have and he makes it meet needs it should not be able to stretch to meet. Amen. Amen. My first real experience with kingdom supply, my first real experience, I was in my 30s and this was when an ex- a significant experience. So I was in my 30s. I, had, I, I, I graduated from high school. I went to college for a little while. Then I left college, went to the Marine Corps, went to the Marine Corps, got a job, and I've been working for a while. Now I got, I got three kids, and I got a beautiful wife. And I'm, I'm like, all right, man, my money's tight. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know I want to I do right by my wife, you know, but I, you know, I got these little kids around. But, man, I'm, it's, it's tight out here. And I went to my performance evaluation, and my, my boss says, too bad you can't promote no higher in this organization. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you haven't finished your degree. Every other job, in this, your next steps going to require you to have a degree, and you don't have one, so it's a shame. I'm like, are you serious? I'm a man of faith. This ain't, no, I got faith. I, I got faith, and I'm going to defy the rules with my faith. And so I'm I go home. I'm saying, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord didn't answer me. And I said, okay, Lord. It's tight. Just barely making it. And then one day, uh, I, w- I walk somewhere, and it, it, it turned out that I have an opportunity to go back to school. But I can't afford a school. Because I'm already tight. <laughs> I, can't pay, I can't pay tuition. And live <laughs> i'm about to live at the school i have to find out y'all got a y'all got a four bedroom in here <laughs> me and my wife and my kids can come stay in uh no they don't anyway I'm like i can't afford this and the lord assured me it was the season to do it i didn't have a voice i just had a confirmation in my spirit it was time it was time for me to stop making excuses. It was time for me to start saying, I'm going to do it later. It's time for me to stop. I'm not telling nobody else what you have to do. I'm telling this what God, he said, it's time for you to stop with your stories. Stop with your, stop with this. And you, you're going to go. But it's your choice. So I made a decision. I'm going to go. Two weeks later, I went into the class. I never got a student loan. I still don't know how I pay for them. I don't know. I, I still don't know. Money just kept showing up all the time. Every time I got a bill for the tuition, money came out of nowhere. 
It just came from somewhere. I'm like, okay, what? But, but I had made up my mind I was going to do it. And when I made up my mind, God started meeting me at every step. And he kept meeting me at every step. And he kept meeting me at every step. And every step, every step, every step. He kept sending things from nowhere. He would have people. A guy walked up to me and he handed me an envelope. He said, give this envelope to Passionate. I said, oh, okay. So I went and gave the envelope to Passionate. Passionate said, hold on. He opened up the envelope, and it was $3,000 in the envelope. He said, man, he said, I'm glad you witnessed this. I said, praise the Lord, yeah. <laughs> he didn't give me any, but Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for me. Because it wasn't for me. So I, I'm, I'm just a joke, but I, it wasn't for me. It was for him, because he's got his own things. But I witnessed it, and then... What God do? God sent me my own blessing. Because then I can't, see, and I'm, I'm telling you that for a reason. When other people get blessed, if you get jealous and you say, well, how come I got it? How come, Lord, how come you made me carry an envelope to somebody else with money I needed in the envelope? Why'd you do that to me? You, why are you taunting me like that, Lord? See, that jealousy would get up in your heart, and then you'd be mad at God and mad at the person who got blessed, and then you brought your own blessing. So I gave the man his envelope, and I said, praise the Lord, you got your blessing. Praise God. Then I went away and said, okay, Lord, okay. And God said, I got you too, baby. Come on. I'll take care of you too. And I got my blessing. Woo, come on, man. See, because you got to slaughter those spirits along the way that try to stop you from receiving what God has for you. Because a jealous heart will, co- will stop a blessing. But I stepped out and God supernaturally paid my tuition all the way through to my degree. And we didn't stop doing anything as a family that we needed to do all the way through it. Supernaturally, God supplied what I needed. And as soon as I graduated, God promoted me on my job. Immediately. The ink wasn't dry on my diploma and God already opened the door. And he opened a supernatural door because what he did is he opened up that my boss left and my boss's boss left. And I took my boss's boss's job. Supernaturally. Because that ain't ordinary stuff. God opened them doors up. He opened like the Red Sea parted before me. And, 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 and somebody said, are you going to apply for your boss's job? I said, mm, I think I'm going to apply for my boss's boss's job. And I took the interview. And the director that interviewed me, he said, I've been waiting to see who you were. He said, I heard about you. (laughs) Come on. He said, I heard about you. Did he hear about me because I was fronting, I was telling everybody who it was? No. I just know the word works. And the word says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will not remain nameless. He will be seen of great people. Amen. A man's gift will make room for him and do what? Bring him before great people. Amen. So we activated the purposes of God and then his supply opened up before us. Woo, come on now. But it's the same principle that he's teaching here in Luke 9 that he sent his disciples out saying, I'm going to give you power over demons. 
and I'm going to give you power to heal the sick. Now, those two things are things you say, well, yeah, that's things that happen, kind of stuff that happens at church. Demons get cast out of church. People get healed at church. That's the kind of stuff that happens at church. But then he took them out in the wilderness and said, good, you're going to make these fish and these bread loaves multiply. But that ain't the kind of stuff that happens at church. No, it's not the kind of stuff that happens at church. That's the stuff that happens outside of the walls of the church that becomes a sign and a witness to an unbeliever. Amen. Come on, you tell an unbeliever you got healed. He says, yeah, medical science probably healed you. He'll come up with all kinds of excuses. You, do, you lay hands on him and his money multiply. He said, well, what kind of God you serve? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. God knows what he's doing. Amen. Come on. Come on, look at this. Woo-wee. Go to Rome. Go to Romans 8. Romans 8, let's go there. We, started, we went there last week, so let's, let's, uh, let's take this to the next level because now I want to explain how kingdom supply works. Obviously, it works by faith. Obviously, it works by putting the kingdom first. But there's something that it is, there's a name for it that you need to understand the name. Because if you understand the name, you will be able to put this in a context to be able to understand that God is not just a coincidence. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I'm going to stay right there. You got flesh and you got spirit. And if you don't know the difference right now between flesh and spirit, you need to listen close because you got to get the difference or else you won't be able to walk in what I'm going to try to get you to walk in. And it's been something I've been walking in and I just need to be more defined and continue to walk in it and see God do more things, more things than I can ask or think about. Amen. Amen. Now, when I graduated from college, I graduated. And I said, man, Lord, I need my, my van started acting up. I said, man, OK, Lord, I just I just graduated now. I, you know, I, you know, um, man, I need a car. And I saw this car. I said, I like this. Let me see. And I went to the car dealership and and. Uh, I said, $42,000? I ain't paying $42,000 for no car. No. <laughs> I tell you, it, was a long, it, ain't, yeah, it was a long time ago. So, so I said, no, I ain't paying $42,000. Man, I ain't been making $42,000 a year. I'm not buying no car that costs more than my salary. <laughs> Are you saying no way? So, but I like the car. So I said, Lord, I like that. I said, I ain't paying that money. And so I'm going home, riding home, riding down Sonoma Boulevard. I'm driving down, I look up, and I see the exact same car on the car lot. And across the front, it said $21,000. I said, what? $21,000? Yeah. (laughs) I turned around and went over there. I went, I said, looked at it. And I asked the guy, I said, how come it's, he said, it was a lease return. I said, a lease return? And this is before everybody, now everybody knows about lease returns. This is before everybody was up on that. So, so I said, lease return? He said, yeah. He said, it was a corporate lease. And I looked at the odometer, it had 10,000 miles on it. I said, 10,000 miles. I said, it's cut in half. It's, this price is cut in half. So I walked in, I said, hey, 
I said, hey, man, I want to get this car. I ain't even called my wife. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't even communicated yet. It wasn't that, it wasn't that easy there. Yeah. So, so I went and talked to the guy, and then I said, I said I'll be back. I went home with God to him. I said, damn it, I found this car. Come with me. So we went down, and, I, and, and, and she's the negotiator. She's the negotiator. See, I, I'll, I'll argue with you, but she negotiates. Yeah, right. So we got in there. Get it cut down. Then we're getting everything set. And the guy calls me up. He said, hey, man, wait a minute. Something's wrong. I said, what's wrong? He said, that car wasn't supposed to be $21,000. That car was supposed to be $28,000. I said, well, you showed me. You, ha- I, you showed me. It was on your, you. That's your mistake. Not my mistake. <laughs> Supernaturally, we're in this car now. Like, wow, okay, praise God. What a bargain. What a blessing. And that car, I still got that car now. I had that car for 20 years. I got my wear out of that. <laughs> we got our wear out of that thing. It's still, still, right, still riding too. Amen. So I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that because this became a lifestyle for us about believing God for things. Believing God for what we need. We needed a new car because the other one was acting up. And some kind of way, the one was acting up, stopped acting up when we got another car. So I had my van and that, uh, that expedition. I had them, we had them both. It stopped, it stopped acting up when we got the other car. Like it got jealous. You ain't getting rid of me. <laughs> you ain't letting me go. <laughs> Amen. Supply works with fish. Supply works with transportation. Supply works with homes. Supply works with whatever it needs to work with. Because the Lord has knowledge of things you need before you even ask. And if it didn't matter, he wouldn't have put it in the Bible. Amen. See, Jesus addressed the issue of our needs. That we need things. That we need things. He addressed those things in the word. And so we have to make sure that we are in the middle of understanding. We have to make sure that we know that God wants us to have those things. The problem for the church is many times we start thinking about those things and we stop seeking the kingdom. We start pursuing the stuff rather than seeking the kingdom. And when we start seeking the stuff, then we get into our own situations where we're trying to pursue things and we make decisions based on the enemy's trickery rather than the calling and the anointing of God. We were going to buy a house and we were, we were believing God for this house. We had a real estate agent. She's showing us all these houses. We said, man, this ain't what, I don't think this is what God calls. She said, y'all need to come down off of that. <laughs> this is our, our, our agent. She keeps, show, she keeps taking us to neighborhoods and places like, I'm trying to live. I'm not trying to buy no house there. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. Come on, man. I, that's that's kind of neighborhood I grew up in. I'm not trying to go back there. <laughs> Come on. Not to buy. <laughs> if I got to rent a house then praise the Lord. I'll rent a house. I've lived there. I ain't trying to buy that. 
going to be honest with y'all. Come on. Guess what? It ain't you live wherever you got to live. If you got to live there. And if God directs you somewhere and you say, God says, that's where I want you, then you go where God says without regard to what it looks like. Amen? Because if God, listen, uh, like the, Kenneth Copeland said, he was flying his, airport in, his airplane into the Middle East. They said, aren't you afraid to fly to the Middle East? He said, no, because God told me to go there. He said, my plane is at more risk sitting in my barn when God told me to leave than it is with me going where you think is dangerous. <laughs> Amen. Because if God sends you, you'll be okay. You can park your stuff in safety and somebody will break in. Amen. Come on. There's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I was telling you about the house. I'm going to finish that. This will make sense what I'm getting ready to tell you. So the lady's telling us, y'all, y'all just, y'all, you're buying your first house. So you just don't need to, you, you need to stop thinking about all this other stuff. So I, I, I'm driving down the street one day and I see this house. I said, man, I like that house. And so I called the agent. I said, hey, I found a house. Can we look at this house? She said, I'll call you back. She calls me back. She said, that house is sold. I said, man, but the sign is still in front of the house. It don't say it's sold. She said, it's sold. So I got off the phone with her. I'm sitting there. And the Holy Spirit said, call the agent on the sign. <laughs> so I called the agent on the sign. And the agent was like, oh, my God, you're interested in the house? Yes, I am. I'm sitting in front of the house right now. She said, well, guess what? I'll meet you there. I'll come down here. I had my dog in the back. And I waited for her to come. And we came in. And Tammy wasn't with me. I'm by myself again. Went in there. Looked around the house. I said, this is my house. I looked around that house. I said, this is my house. This is my house right here. And then I called my wife and said, hey, you come down and take a look at our house. (laughs) It was our house, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So this is how sure I was it was in my house. I left there and I drove down the street and my friend Nate Rankin, he used to work for the city of Vallejo. He used to work on, on all the light poles. He, Nate's out there working on the pole. Me and Nate get out. Hey, it's Nate, man. And we stand down there talking. And Regina and Orlando Littlefield come driving down the street. And they came driving from around the same corner where I just came from. Hey, what y'all doing out here? They said, uh, and I think they lived in Richmond at the time. I said, hey, what y'all, what y'all doing out here? They said, we just saw this house. We're going we gonna to think we're going to try to look at this house. I said, <laughs> I said, was it a gray house? They said, yeah. I said, with a whole bunch of trees in front of it? She said, yeah. I said, you can't have it. That's my house. <laughs> I said, yeah, don't even call because it's my house. <laughs> don't, even, don't even worry about dialing. You keep on looking because that's my house. <laughs> it's true. This is true. This is true. <laughs> don't even look. That's my house. Because I had an assurance in my spirit that God had gave me that house. 
I ain't even been to the bank yet because my agent was driving me around, hadn't taken me to talk to no lenders. So then I, now I got the house that I'm trying to get and I, I contact the lender. The lender says, I'll tell you what. He says, um, he said, I'm going to show you some loans. I said, okay. He comes and shows me some loans, and he showed me a loan that looked like a great deal. And the Holy Spirit said, don't touch it. Don't touch that loan. I said, eh, no. He said, well, what's wrong? This, this is perfect. Look, this is the price. You can afford this. I said, no. Nah. I ain't going to tell you the whole story about that. I, just, I said, no, nah, this ain't. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So I went to another lender. They worked us through, got the house. And we moved in. Everything's perfect. And God told me when he assured me, he said, listen, if you'll listen to me, I'll plant you where you need to be to do what I need you to do. And we moved into that neighborhood and God used us to lead a family to Christ. He let us plant seeds to other people. And there's some this families now that the whole family saved, the whole family's walking with God, doing things because God put us there to reach that family. We had we went to that house with a purpose. And then God showed us another. He said, we were in there for maybe two years. And God said, now move to the next place. We sold the house and moved on to the next place God had for us. And God did works there. So not only is your purpose connected to direction, your purpose is connected to where you stand. See, the disciples were, they said, this is a desert place here. Where we're standing is desert. God said, no, I have provision for the desert. I have provision for the desert. So when we get here to Romans 8, it says, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. To be condemned means that it's not livable. (laughs) Come on. To, To be condemned means it's a place that nobody should be. It's a place that is called, spoken over, and said that this is worthless. This place is not safe. This shouldn't nobody be here. And sometimes the enemy will attack you and try to make you feel like you're the condemned thing. Sometimes the enemy comes to you and says, you don't have any worth. You don't have any value. You're messed up. You're half of this. You're half of that. You don't exist. You're not, you're not important. You don't do anything. You don't make anything happen. You're not, you're, not, you're not God's treasure. Come on, get off of that. Paul has to say, listen, there's no condemnation when you're in Christ. Come on, come on. I'm a refurb in Christ. Amen. Come on, I was damaged goods, and God said, no, well, guess what? We're going to fix this one up a little bit. We're going to put him right back on the market. <laughs> Amen. Come on, he's going to be a bargain to you. Ooh, look at him. Ooh, come on. And that's what you got to feel about yourself. you got to say, you know what? God wants to move through me. God wants to provide for me. God wants to do in my life. And guess what? He referred me so that there's no condemnation on me. Amen. Woo, come on. They took the yellow tag off the house. <laughs> come on now. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The only thing you need to do to get your personal value back is start walking in the spirit. Woo, come on. 
The only thing you need to do to reclaim your full value is to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to go slow. I'm going to let y'all meditate on that. Verse 2. And here's where here's the important part. Why? Because there is a law. You're not condemned. Not because of feel-good situations. Because there is a law in place. <laughs> see, see, if I told Tracy, I said, Tracy, I'm going to loan you $1,000 at 75% interest. <laughs> Number one, it's a bad choice. <laughs> Number two, it's against the law. It's called usury. You cannot overcharge people an unreasonable rate of interest on money loaned. It is a law. You can't do that. And if you get caught doing that, they will find you guilty. And with your guilt, you will have a penalty to pay. Amen. Because anytime you violate a law, there's a penalty to be paid. Amen. So there's a law that you cannot live in condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. And anything that tries to violate that law needs to pay a penalty. Come on, say, I live in the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Amen. No condemnation on you. You should never live condemned a day in your life. You should, every time you feel condemnation, say, no, I refuse to feel condemned because I live under the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's not my, it's not legal for me to be condemned. That's why God put forgiveness in place. That's why the blood of Jesus said, if you confess your sin, if you confess, come on, if you confess, <laughs> If you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse of all unrighteousness. Notice that there are a bunch of legal terms being thrown here. There is a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and confession is what you have to do. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Courtroom of heaven is open for you. Come on. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The laws that pertain to sin and the laws that pertain to death, I've been freed from, exempted from, because I have another law that I live under. Amen. And you can't be grandfathered in, you can't be transferred unless you go the right way. Amen. Life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on. The law of sin and the law of death are the laws that govern lack and they are the laws that were initiated when Adam fell in the garden. When Adam fell in the garden, he released the law of sin into the earth. And death 
became an element. And so we say that man lives under a curse, but the earth actually lives under the curse. What man lives under is separation from God. Death is what he lives under. Man lives under the law of death. And we refer to it as the curse. But the reality is it's what happens when man gets separated from God. But when man gets reunited with God, he steps out of the law of sin and death and lack, and he steps into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is parallel with the original law of life that Adam lived under in the garden. Amen. (laughs) Meditate on that. Verse 3, look at this. For what the law (laughs) could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. See, there are certain things that law can't do because the flesh is the weakening factor. So the disciples were anointed by God to go out and do miraculous things. But when it came to another different type of miraculous thing, they ran out of faith. Because the flesh got in the way. They said, we can't do anything with all this. Send those people away. We can't feed all these people. All we have is this. All we have is our fleshly limitations. All we have is these fish and loaves. They can't feed all those people. But he didn't tell the fish and the loaves to feed the people. He told the disciples to feed the people. He said, you feed them. They gave God their limitations. And Jesus didn't even argue with them about it. He just like, let me show you how it's done. Sit the people down. Give me the stuff. Father, thank you. You're going to multiply. You're going to feed all these people. Distribute it. And then he wouldn't let them just watch he made them participate he said now y'all start feeding the people you take it and you start feeding them they had to participate because god had a purpose see god makes you walk in the spirit because he has a purpose for your life and in your purpose is your provision look at the next thing the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god did By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. If you let your mind get caught on fleshly stuff, you can't operate in the spirit. That's why you always have to keep your focus on God's purpose. Because in God's purpose is God's provision. When you operate in the spirit, you are releasing God's will. And God's will has its own power attached to it. God's will is Jesus breaking it. And handing it to them. And then them moving with what he provided. That's what God does in your life. God starts to make you. He makes you blessed stuff. 
and let him then touch it. And then he sends you out to make things happen in environments. And so he took a inanimate object of a need that we had to live somewhere. And he made that into a ministry for us because we listened to his voice. And our moving into a house became a ministry for us. Amen. And me going back to school became a ministry for me because it put me in a position to be a trusted advisor to someone who needed God in their lives. And it put me in a place of having a job that allowed me to minister to thousands of people who needed jobs and needed help because then I began to be the one to move the resources where they needed to be in order to bless people. What did he do? He's moving and providing for me through purpose. And as he puts me in position of purpose, he then uses the things that he's doing in order to cause his gospel to be preached throughout the world. Amen. Listen, we ain't going to reach the world sitting in this building here. We only come here to get equipped to go out and reach the world. Amen. And it is the anointing of God on your life that he wants to pour out to you, that he has already poured out to you, that when you walk into different places and that manifestation of the spirit of God walking in the spirit and not in the flesh begins to make things happen in the place where God set you in order. Woo, come on. Look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Ooh, amen. Listen, I'm telling you this, and you can share it with anybody you want to. Anybody who tells me that they're in a dead-end job, I said, that's a lie. There's no such thing as a dead-end job. There's just jobs. <laughs> There's only jobs. There's no dead ends to jobs. Because God doesn't put an end. See, my flesh says that's a dead end. But the, the uh, children of Israel were at a dead end next to the Red Sea and next to a mountain. And God said, no, that ain't a dead end. Watch this. <laughs> Amen. So wherever you go, it's never a dead end. It's only an opportunity to manifest the glory of the Lord in some place. Amen. And when you manifest the glory of the Lord, what does he do? He opens doors for you. Woo, come on. But you can't be carnally minded. Because see, what happens in carnal minded situations is your flesh starts getting agitated, irritated, and you get angry. And you work in a place and, and all people see of you is the anger in you. Because you're frustrated and you're angry. Because, man, come on. Waiting on God's blessing. This is God's blessing. <laughs> I'm waiting on God's blessing. This is God's blessing. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Come on, we're talking about kingdom supply. I want you all to get it. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity. In other words, it it's puts itself against God. The carnal mind stands between you and receiving things from God. Sometimes the block to your own blessing is your soul. <laughs> Amen. To bring it all back, back around. Beloved, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So if your soul gets consumed in flesh, it blocks your blessing. That's why the enemy always sends somebody to get on your nerves. Because if he can get you in the flesh, he can block your blessing. That's why the enemy attacks 
husbands and wives. He tries to get us to agitate each other, irritate each other, look at each other and say, oh, him and those feet. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he's just trying to pick something out, just make you, you know, just, oh, I just, oh, he just cover him up, put a sock on, just, just do something. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because he tries to get you in the flesh to get agitated and irritated so he can block the blessing. Amen. Amen. When the blessing is blocked, supernatural supply is blocked. Verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God. In other words, the carnal mind can't live in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Nor indeed can it be. It's not subject and it's never going to be subject. Verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When we're in the flesh, we can't please God. Watch this videotape. This, uh, not video, videotape. I'm, I'm watching this video. And this is pastor. And he's giving a prophetic word. And as I'm listening to the prophetic word that he's giving, it was spicy. So he's, he's, he's declaring it. But his declaration is bordering on anger. And the word is coming forth, but it's not the word. It's his word. And he's giving this and he's admonishing the people listening to the word to get like he is. But the underlying message was a flesh message. Listen, listen close. The underlying message was a flesh message. And the flesh message will be received as flesh. So a flesh message, if it brings you in the flesh, it's not pleasing to God. Is it prophetic? Anything that speaks to the future is prophetic. <laughs> Question is not whether it's prophetic. Question is, does it come from God? The question is, does it come from God? But may your spirits can speak to your future. See, where it says in the last days, people have itching ears and find teachers that tell them what they want to hear. And a lot of times, there's people who speak prophetically to what you want to hear. So you got to want to hear what God wants you to hear so that you can be in God's place to be in God's blessing. Amen. Because the season is coming where you can't be in flesh. Flesh is not going to win these wars that we're in now. Amen. And we keep getting drawn into flesh by becoming political. Political, political, your political stances, flesh. You want laws to govern people that they don't do what Christians feel like we should do. Guess what? Flesh. When Israel wanted a king, 
They said, we want a king like all the other people. God said, you shouldn't have a king. He said, we want a government. We want a king. He said, I'll be your king if you want. But if you want a human king, know this. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your daughters for his wives. And he's going to send your sons to battle. That's what I'm going to guarantee you is going to happen to you. And guess what? What, what? what does our president do? Taxes. Send your sons and daughters to war. And I ain't going there. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to stop it right there. Amen. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. Listen, here's the summary. Here's, here's what it is. You are called to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus so God can meet your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and put you in the place of blessing through purpose. That's the summary. God wants to give you a purpose. He wants to set you in order. And what's your purpose? Your purpose is simple. Three simple things your purpose is. Your first purpose is to walk in love toward God and people. That's your first purpose. Wherever you are, wherever you stand, walk in love toward people. And when I say walk in love, I'm not just talking about being nice to people. What I'm saying is looking at situations. First, love God is to be a woman worshiper. And there's worship that we do on Sunday, and there's worship that you do in your lives. And the worship you do in your lives is so whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. If it's word, deed, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Amen. When you sweep the floor at your house, sweep it as unto the Lord. It'll become a worship to you. Amen. Amen. When you go to work and you don't like your boss, bless your boss. It'll become a worship to you. Speak life over the, over the people that work there. That's being a blessing. That's your worship. Amen. Amen. If you don't like the company you work for, speak life over the company. Speak life of law. Father, thank you for using this company to be a blessing. I thank you for transforming the hearts and minds of the people of this organization, Lord, so that they do things that are pleasing in your sight, that they become a blessing, that their products, their services, their goods, whatever they produce, I thank you that it will be a blessing to the people that receive it. Thank you for meeting people's needs through this thing that's here. I thank you, Lord, for you doing a mighty work in this place. I thank you for causing uh, the word of God to bless this place. I thank you for the prosperity of God to flow through the people here. Let the gospel be preached throughout this place. Lord, thank you for sending wise people people wise as serpents and harmless as doves to join into me and be partners with me and bringing the blessing into this place because trust me as it goes so shall you amen i need the place i work to prosper because i'm trying to prosper amen no matter what it is you got to let that blessing, that supernatural supply pour through you. Because when you become a waterer, you also will become watered. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord, that the word would minister to everyone in the room. Thank you, let the, this word, the ears, the hear that we have heard of uh, what you needed people to hear today. And I thank you for strengthening us with might and giving us ability and capacities beyond our understanding. I thank you, Lord, that as you're doing a mighty work in us, Lord, that you'll continue to fulfill your good and mighty pleasure toward us. I thank you for the blessing of the Lord, making us rich and adding no sorrow with it. I thank you that as we prosper, Lord, we become, hallelujah, trees planted by the rivers of living water 
who bring forth their fruit in its season. That fruit would feed the nations. I thank you that the nations will be fed from the fruit that pours out of our lives. So we thank you for continuing to expand us and, and continuing to give us more grace. And we thank you for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, making us free from the laws of sin and death. I thank you that sin and death is no, has no dominion over us. Lord, that no sin will overtake us or derail our lives. We thank you, Lord, that there's no fear of death or, under, or thought about death or meditation on death that will stop us from living right now where we are. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing healing into our bodies, healing into our minds, healing into our hearts, and allowing that spirit to flow through us, Lord, that we become contagious, Lord. Lord, that the grace that's on us falls on people when we walk by them. Lord, that strange miracles happen that even our shadows will cause people to be set free, made whole. We thank you, Lord, for anointing us in a powerful way and allowing us to flow in the spirit and bring forth a harvest in Jesus' name. We give you praise and glory for these things right now. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand on your feet, please. Thanks for listening to today's message titled The Law of the Spirit of Life in Christ from our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on the site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendars, and many other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Also, feel free to join us for a live service anytime you're available to join us on a Sunday morning. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember, Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.